Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Warshavsky. And today on our podcast, we are speaking with Governor Ned Lamont. It's Manufacturing Month, and the governor has been touring businesses throughout the state. We'll touch on that along with some questions that CBIA members want answers to. Governor, welcome to the podcast. Allie, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, it is Manufacturing Month, and we've seen you go through a lot of Connecticut businesses, but people might not know that you come from the private sector. Um, what's your background in the private sector and business? Yeah, I work for a uh, cable TV operator right out of um, business school, and then I started up my own um at that point, cable company, then it became a wireless IT company. We specialized in universities, had service go into about a million students in 40 states, uh, delivering uh, high-speed data, video, and uh, a little bit of voice. And you decided to make the jump, of course, and now you're governor, um, it, and you've been touring the state for Manufacturing Month, going to all these businesses, but we've noticed a Made in Connecticut series and what is the goal of that? And what have you seen through these visits? I've seen uh, a state that was a manufacturing powerhouse going back a uh, hundred years, lost our way a little bit. Um, some of the manufacturing was going offshore back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and now it's coming back. And that was part of the story I wanted to tell. Connecticut's competitive with anybody Manufacturing is more capital intensive, more IT intensive, more important to have the really best workforce. Those are all big advantages why what was going offshore is now coming back onshore. So I've made the best effort I could going not just to the big guys, but also going to all the folks in the supply chain along the way, saying, why are you in Connecticut? What are the advantages of being in Connecticut? How can I help you stay and grow in Connecticut? And I believe you said that your goal is to double the amount of manufacturers in the state in the next 10 years. How do you plan to do that? I think it starts with uh, where you have your natural advantages. Uh, look what we do in terms of aerospace, uh, submarines, some of the most complex manufacturing uh, in the world takes place here in Connecticut. Then, uh, you know, you talk to electric boat, a lot of their supply chains in South Carolina, some in China, you know, how we can bring back some of that supply chain. You know, we've learned, especially in this last uh, few months, how supply chain is really important. Transportation costs are getting expensive. So if you're close to the end user, you're close to the manufacturer, um, that makes a big difference. So these are all reasons why we're trying to give people a reason why Connecticut is a natural place for you to grow and expand. And the supply chain shortage, of course, is just been all over the news and everything we've been hearing about um, has to relate to that and also the labor shortage. Uh, we had our recent CBI survey that came out and the labor shortage was cited as the number one barrier to growth uh, for member companies of CBIA in Connecticut, especially in the manufacturing industry. Are there other policy areas that need consideration to fix this issue? I'm not even sure. Look, Three years ago when I was running, um, we had a lot of uh, advanced manufacturing jobs we couldn't fill because um, we weren't training people with the right skills. We've been fixing that, made a big effort in terms of upskilling with Colin Cooper working very closely with um, the manufacturing industry, putting in place training programs at community colleges and beyond. You help provide the curriculum, we'll provide the funding you need to make that happen. But now after, um, you know, 
18, 20 months of uh, COVID, we're finding there's, um, it's not just a skilling issue. Uh, we're finding we have to continue to encourage people to get back to work. Um, you know, some of them are, you know, the restaurants and the service sector where people um, are just reluctant to get back to work. Um, obviously, wages are going up, getting a little more expensive, doing what we can to attract people. Uh, and I used to think maybe it's all public health related, but let's face it, Connecticut has um, the lowest infection, highest vaccination in the country. So we got to do a better job of con convincing people now's the time to get back to work. The pay is good. It's a good starting job or it's a good job at advanced manufacturing, which is a great career. And we're doing the outreach every day. In terms of the manufacturing sector, do you think a lot of it is misconception of these dark warehouses and um, a, a trade that kids don't want to go into? You know, how do you fix that misconception? We were touring horse engineering, and it's far from what I would have imagined when I was 12 going through school, what it is now. It's light, it's bright, there's um, IT section. It just is very different. Do you think we need to break that misconception? Yeah, absolutely. Especially the parents have this old Charlie Chaplin version of manufacturing. It is so out of date. Um, go to Hartford, go to Stanley Black and Decker's manufacturing. You'll see uh, it's extraordinary. The robots and delivery and the um, IT skills necessary to um, manage these incredibly complex pieces of equipment. And it's not just the big companies. As I go to a lot of the small manufacturers, it's incredible how precise this work is. Much more capital intensive less labor intensive, better paid, cleaner conditions, and it takes some real strong IT skills to make it work. Let's switch gears now and we're gonna talk about taxes. I'm sure that's your favorite subject to talk about. Um, do you support expanding the manufacturer apprentice tax credit to smaller manufacturers? Yeah, I didn't think it was not eligible for smaller manufacturers. Look, to get back uh, to your last question, how do we um, show people how cool uh, manufacturing is in the 21st century? One way is start earlier, start in our uh, Votech schools, start even in our high schools, but then make sure you have an apprenticeship program. So 17, 18 year olds can uh, you know, see what it is all about. Those kids, once they get there, they tend to stay. And yeah, I'm talking with David Lehman, our amazing commissioner of economic development about um, a credit program. So. We give local businesses an added incentive to take that apprentice, give them that opportunity, give them some of that training. Uh, once they've seen your um, your job, they're more likely to stay. And last session, you were a critical voice in holding line against tax increases. Given the federal money coming to the state, do you believe now is the time to start providing some tax relief to small businesses? Uh, I do. Um, you got to be careful uh, because um, we have a very volatile revenue stream in the state. And obviously we're doing very well right now. We're paying down debt. Uh, we've had a surplus each of the last two years, uh, but you can't take that for granted. So you gotta be careful about adding on a lot of big new obligations uh, if, if things change. Obviously we have the biggest rainy day fund. So we're well prepared compared to a lot of our peers. But I do, I, I do anything I can to help support local businesses, startup businesses, entrepreneurs. I was an entrepreneur myself. I know, um, you know what it's like uh, when you meet that first um, payroll, what it's like when you have to um, watch your revenues coming in, see what your expenses are. Every dollar really matters. And uh, I'm gonna do everything I can as a 
you know, former entrepreneur to make it easier for them to start and grow their businesses. And since every dollar really matters, do you support repealing the state sales tax on worker training programs and on PPE and other safety apparel? Of course, PPE is something that some companies now have to invest in. They never really had to before. Um, I, I think, look, I didn't know we had a sales tax on worker training programs. I don't quite know what that is. I, I got to take a look at that. Uh, but again, and uh, the PPE, it's, it's not much. We're providing that. But yeah, I want to do everything I can to make it easier. Uh, I'll tell you as an aside, Ali, there was no stockpile of PPE down in Washington, D.C. That was a myth. Uh, so we now have an enormous stockpile. So we're ready and well prepared next time. I'll tell you um, an idea that I'm toying around with. We graduate from a Connecticut school, Connecticut Community College, Connecticut College. You take a job with a Connecticut manufacturer, you take a job with a Connecticut business. Um, if they forgive your student loan, say after three years, like a vesting schedule, um, we'll give you a tax credit to help pay for some of that for you. Uh, it's an idea that um, you know we're working on in our team here. I love it because it gives young people an incentive to stay in Connecticut. It gives uh, Connecticut employers an incentive to hire here in Connecticut. And to your original question, it's a tax cut for small business. The corporate tax surcharge, um, why has it remained on the books for so long? I think our our corporate tax, um, we're about average. I don't think we're a lot more or less than other states. Um, I think it's just one of the balances in terms of how, how you pay for things. Um, I'll tell you, this is sort of interesting. I'll just get provocative here for your um, your membership a little bit. Remember the corporate income tax used to raise about 25, 26% of our state revenues. Today, it represents about 6% of our state revenues. So while the corporate income tax is, is really not paid by the big guys very much, it is disproportionately paid by the little guys. So that's uh, one of the many reasons that I'm trying to do everything I can to help small business in terms of uh, tax cuts. And the capital base tax, why was the repeal of it delayed this year? Uh, I, I think the capital base tax is something that we ought to be um, getting rid of or repealing. Um, you're a small business. I was a small business. You don't have many revenues coming in. It's like sort of a minimum tax for small business. You know, it's a tax on that piece of equipment that I want you to have an incentive to get that piece of equipment. I don't want to disincent you uh, from doing that. So that's something that's uh, high on my list is something I want to get rid of. And do you support restoring the pass-through entity tax to its original level? Because the 2019 adjustment cost small businesses about $53 million annually. Um, look, I'd like to get rid of all these things. Uh, it, there's a certain balance you have to have out there. Uh, minority estates even offer that uh, pass-through credit. We're one of the few that do. Um, and the only question is how big a credit is it? I think it went from 93% to 87% or something like that, but it's still a very significant credit, uh, but it's something we're gonna look at. I, the main thing I'd love to do is simplify uh, the, the tax code. It is just too complicated. There are too many ins and outs. I talked to um, CBI and the business community about that a few years ago saying, look, I could have lowered the rate, expand the base, but expanding the base is pretty complicated. So it's a long-term discussion. 
And let's talk about the 2022 agenda. Uh, we're planning ours, so I'm sure that means you're planning yours. What will your agenda focus on? Some key points. Uh, workforce. Uh, I don't have oil, I don't have gas, I don't have silicon, but we have the best trained workforce. I gotta do everything I can that um, your, your members, folks looking at the state of Connecticut, um, the best trained workforce is the biggest strategic asset we have. That's why I've got you know over 100 million over the next couple of years expanding workforce training at no cost to your members. That's why I like the idea of the apprenticeship program. That's why I like the idea about forgiving student loans. Uh, that's priority number one. Two, we have really good momentum in this state, and I want to keep that momentum. For the first time in a decades, we have you know tens of thousands of uh, young families moving to the state of Connecticut. Net increase, and I want to keep that momentum going, and that means. Um, best schools in the country, uh, good job opportunities, a startup culture and entrepreneurial culture. Uh, that would be priority, uh, you know, number two. Um, and finally, you know me, I'm always banging away at transportation. Um, a degree to which I can take uh, 15 minutes off uh, your commute, either by road or by train, represents a big savings, opens a lot of our smaller towns to more opportunity. That plus broadband, which is sort of parallel to transportation, will really transform the state and turn our, our location into a big advantage. I was going to ask you about transportation. As someone who lives in Fairfield County, takes 95 several times a week, it's something I'm very interested in. And if Congress passes the infrastructure bill, Connecticut receives about $5 billion. You mentioned uh, trains, highways. What are some specific examples of what you plan to invest it in? So first of all, um, on the highways, it's not a matter of needing another lane. It's a matter of those three or four or five choke points between, um, say, Stanford and New Haven that you blessedly get to drive three times a week. And um, if I can get a longer exit lane on there, I can get rid of those checkpoints, uh, choke points and probably save uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes off your commute in both directions. You know, for rail, uh, some of it is straightened out the tracks and signalization. A lot of it is these really old bridges. You know, they're 90 years old and 100 years old. And um, the train slows over that bridge, then speeds up again. Those would be that, so I can take 10 minutes off that, uh, you know, commute from uh, New Haven to Stanford, Stanford to New York to each one. So those would be some of the priorities. Um, but I got to work with my friends in the legislature and I can use your help on this. Everybody says, you know, yippee, you're getting all this free money from the federal government, a billion dollars a year. Um, we don't have to pay for anything. Uh, that's not quite right. There's a sort of 10, 20% copay on this. So that could be like $200 million a year we've got to put up in order to be eligible for our billion dollars. So we're still working on that, um, but um, we're going to be ready to take advantage of this. And I think you're going to see transportation really transformed over the next uh, five, 10 years in this state. I will time my commute and let you know in five years, that's for sure. I'll let you know if I can shave at least 10 minutes off while going the speed limit. Uh, last serious question for you. The state's high cost of living has been a barrier to growth. Uh, what can be done to address that? We've been lucky to see an influx of New Yorkers coming in, but many of these were coming in from the city, from Westchester, where the uh, cost of living was also high. How do we lower it 
so that more people can find a Hartford and, and the surrounding areas a more attractive place to live and work? Yeah. Um, first of all, um, compared to our peers, we're holding the line. You know, you saw what New York, New Jersey did, raising income tax. We've held the line on income tax, so we're going to continue to hold the line on that. That's important. We've given additional support to our um, municipalities. That means that they're holding the line or even reducing property taxes. But um, the cost of living here is a lot more than that. Um, it's making education a lot more affordable. I think I described some of the initiatives we have there. Healthcare, I mean, last year we had the lowest increase in our health insurance costs uh, we've ever had, less than 1%. This year is a little dodgier because of uh, uh, COVID, but still really working hard to hold down increases in pharmaceutical costs, hold down um, healthcare costs. Uh, we made public transportation free on weekends, just as an experiment since last summer. So we're trying to do a variety of things that make this state more affordable for people. And if you're a working family, um, um, you know, you're getting paid a little bit more just because there's a very tight labor market. So it's working on both sides. I hope we're making real progress there. Well, those are the serious ones I have for you. Now we just have some lighter rapid fire questions. Yankees or Red Sox? Oh man, now you're breaking my heart because I'm a Yankees fan and they disappeared a long time ago. The Red Sox are on fire. I know, same. I feel your pain. But they got to have you know a good year every once in a while. Uh, they had a long stretch of bad years. So, uh, my last question: um, Are you planning on four more years in office? A run for four more years? I think I've got to make up my mind on that pretty soon because everybody keeps asking me. But um, I tell you, Allie, I mean, I love governing. I, we've had a really complicated time this last two years. I thought I was elected as the first business guy in you know a couple of generations help get our jobs engine going again. We're making a pretty good progress on that front. Then COVID shut everything down. Um, and, and fortunately, I think the state managed through COVID uh, pretty effectively uh, compared to our peers. So we're just getting things going again. Um, so I love governing. I love taking care of business. I love uh, you know working on a bipartisan basis with CBIA and labor and uh, Democrats and Republicans in the legislature which is a long way of saying I put off that politics as long as I can. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and thanks for listening to this week's FizzCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, and for more episodes, head to CBIA.com. See ya. All right. Bye.